Live from WNUR News, I'm Maria Jimena Aragon. You're listening to 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. It's Friday, October 8th, 2021. Tonight on WNUR News, Medill School of Journalism awards Angelica Casas with the Cecilia Weissman Award. The return of acapella and an international social media power outage. Those stories coming up tonight. On September 30th, Angelica Casas received the third annual Cecilia Weissman Award for Multimedia Journalists. Her work as senior video journalist for BBC has spanned across a variety of issues impacting the Latino community. Ali Bianco with the story. Forty-five years ago, Julio Casas traveled from central Mexico to San Antonio, Texas, to chase his dream of being a musician. His love of music, of storytelling, and his family followed him across the border and into Texas. As a mariachi, he told rhythmic tales of the American dream, like the one you've just listened to. On Thursday, September 30th, 2021, Julio Casas's niece, Angelica Casas, was celebrated as the third winner of the Cecilia Weisman Award for Multimedia Journalism. Like her tío, Angelica Casas has been dedicating her career to telling the stories of the Latino community with her camera. In her speech at the online ceremony, she held up his photo to her computer screen, sharing his story with the participants. I was 15 years old when my tío, my uncle, the strong man who became a father figure to me growing up and who had pioneered his way to the U.S. before anyone else in my family, he started to lose his memory. First, it was forgetting where he was going while driving. And then it was our names. Then it was his relationship to others. And ultimately, he forgot his story. I knew at the age of 15 that his story was so powerful. I desperately wanted it to be remembered. So I would tell it to anyone I'd come across, and I still do today. Los caminos de la vida no son los que yo pensaba, no son los que yo creía. The ways of life, they're not what I thought it would be. They're not what I expected, says this Colombian Vallenata song by Omar Geles. For Casas, the unexpected twists and turns of her life and her uncle's life are what led her to pursue storytelling and journalism. It was then that I fell in love with storytelling as a way for us to learn about each other and about the world. I also began to gain a wholesome admiration for where I come from and the characteristics that make Latinos so resilient. And I fell in love with that too. The combination of those two loves was fire inside of me. And it still is. Casas today is a senior video journalist at BBC, producing short and mid-form stories. To her, being a good journalist is about being a human first and establishing trust with every source. As journalists, we usually enter people's lives in these moments, when their circumstances become unimaginably heavy, when everything has turned upside down and their journey isn't turning out like they thought it would, when they don't know where to go from here. 
And that leaves us with a great, great responsibility. From the stories of children left orphaned during the pandemic to a Texas woman detained by Border Patrol after speaking Spanish, Casas's camera has seen a wide variety of Latino issues explored through its lens. Among these stories is one close to home for the San Antonio native. The 2019 mass shooting in El Paso, Texas that ended several Latino lives. How could I ever forget this story? You listen to a heartbreaking rendition of Amor Eterno. Dedicated to the 23 lives lost in the Walmart shooting. The goal of my work is to create empathy, not sympathy, simply empathy. The capacity within us to truly understand others, whether we agree with them or not. I want people to challenge their perspectives, especially when it comes to Latino communities. Casas recalled how one man told her that the shooting made him question if he should speak Spanish in public. The idea of Latinos wanting to hide their language and identity reminded Casas of her high school experiences when she first started journalism. Times were very, very different then. We hadn't coined the term digital video and my current job was pretty much non-existent at the time. It was also a stage of life where I didn't feel completely connected to my roots. I avoided speaking Spanish in the hallways of my high school to not bring attention to myself. And because I was ridiculous in thinking that I didn't wanna be associated with the ESL students, most of whom were immigrants or the children of immigrants. After all, the words or the slang that some of my classmates would use to describe newcomers weren't nice. Despite Spanish being her first language, Casas initially struggled with writing in it. Today, she is proud to be bilingual and accessible to more Latinos. In interviewing Latinos and reporting a wide variety of their stories, what Casas has come to believe is simple. Latino stories are stories about everyone. We have to recognize that Latino communities and really all communities of color are still on the margins of mainstream news coverage. We're not always incorporated into coverage about larger issues like COVID-19 or the education system or criminal justice reform. And when we are incorporated into that coverage, it's predominantly in Spanish media. We also have to recognize that it's okay for Latinos to cover Latinos, like I do. After all, who knows this better than us? I can no longer dismiss who I am in this profession. If I dismiss that, I'm also dismissing the stories I tell when I report on what's important to me. Casas is currently planning to begin a mid-form documentary on the citizenship classes being held at her local library. The questions of naturalization, of what it means to become an American, are what she hopes to uncover in her conversations. In his song, El Mojado Soñador, Julio Casas reflects on his citizenship dream of obtaining documentation and finally being part of America. He was so hardworking. Most of us Latinos are. His story is a classic story of the realization of the American dream, of how Latinos and immigrants can truly accomplish anything when given the opportunities. 45 years later, Casas will be helping others share their American dream, documenting their stories so that we may never forget them.
I just always get emotional, like thinking about how people just let me into their lives to tell their stories. Um, and I like, I want to do it well because of them. Um, you know, people always say like, how do you do this work if it must be so also traumatic if you're, you know, I've reported on, you know, mass shootings, on immigration, on, you know, a pandemic, like a lot of things that people are struggling with, I'm there to ask them questions. Um, but I, it's always so rewarding then whenever you publish a story and people are watching it and it's, you know, getting their stories, getting the attention that it deserves. We need to tell the stories of Latinos so that the world better understands us and all of our complexities. For WNUR News, I'm Ali Bianco. More to come after the break. They can be overwhelming. With the Veterans Crisis Line, I know where to turn when we need support. I made the call and got support for my sister. The Veterans Crisis Line is here for all veterans and their loved ones. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press... This is a guided meditation on parenting. Take a deep breath in and let go of the time you and your son played basketball and you attempted to slam dunk. Or when you hit that pinata into your neighbor's yard. Let it go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to WNUR News. It's 6.17 p.m. Central Time. A new year means a new opportunity for students to join clubs across campus, including the ever-present and thriving a cappella scene. As the legend goes, Northwestern played an important role in inspiring the movie Pitch Perfect. Reporter Ella Gatlin with the scoop. Northwestern's vibrant a cappella scene is back in full force this year after over 18 months of Zoom rehearsals and restricted opportunities to meet. Last year, everything was virtual. It was a really difficult time for everyone. For this interview, I spoke with senior Claire Kwan. Kwan is the president of Thunk Acapella and NACA. For those who don't know, NACA is the Northwestern Acapella Community Alliance, the group that oversees acapella auditions in the fall and works to foster a sense of community across all 14 of Northwestern's acapella groups. I asked Kwan a few questions about what acapella was really like last year in the thick of COVID restrictions. Um, so it was very sporadic. It was difficult because we were all kind of in a bad place mentally. But a lot of us in the group wanted to continue having meetings and trying to record stuff for our album because this was a really important community to us on campus. I know for other groups as well as Thunk, we felt really strongly about that, um, about providing new students a community a stable community when it really felt like the world was like totally falling apart and that school was not real. To Kwan, working to keep acapella afloat was doubly hard as a result of the pandemic-related mental health decline that many students experienced last year. You know, it was difficult, didn't really have a plan because I think we were all kind of in a pandemic mentality. We didn't really know what was going on. And also 
it was very tough overall to organize things um, because, you know, there was a lack of motivation just overall. Um, mental health was really struggling. So Quan took on extra work to ensure that acapella stayed alive in some capacity. I got really excited and I was like, all right, this is how we're, I was throwing out all these ideas, trying to see what would stick. And we had meetings um, about how to run virtual auditions and um, how to spread the word. And also I felt really passionate about the fact that acapella, it does offer such a great sense of community for new um, students who are coming in and just starting their college career, especially during the pandemic. And though Quan took on much of the workload, she was not alone in her efforts. I've had people, you know, a team who is helping me. Um, that includes Stephen Liu, Craig Carroll, who really kind of acted as my right hand in like the past week, Michael Sanko, uh, Liam Wentz, uh, and before he graduated, Connor Burgett was the only one who had been on NACA before the pandemic. This year, auditions were held in person, but were spread out around campus more than they normally would be due to capacity restrictions created in response to COVID-19. In past years, you'd walk by Kresge and Losi during auditions week um, and callbacks week, and you would see the building like swarming with people, like so, so many people just like packed in. Um, and obviously we couldn't do that in COVID times. Thankfully, this did not deter students from auditioning. Quan estimates that upwards of 150 Wildcats came out to audition and has a message to share with these students. Thank you to everyone who auditioned, um, those who are called back, those who got into groups, those who didn't. Like, we are really grateful overall. And um, if you didn't get into an acapella group, that really doesn't mean anything about you. I just encourage, highly encourage, especially if you're first year or even a second year, you can like audition next year. Um, and... Yeah, my hope is to just like really expand that feeling of community outside of just acapella groups and not make it so exclusive because I think it has felt like exclusive and competitive in the past. My hope is to really just try to open those things up and um, yeah, and to, to promote that sense of community overall. For information regarding upcoming acapella events on campus, follow the NACA Facebook page or look for your favorite acapella groups on Instagram. For WNUR News, I'm Ella Gatlin. Oh, I'm caught between your love and a hard place. On Monday, October 4th, something happened to Facebook that hasn't happened in nearly a decade. A six-hour outage that had Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp offline. Is it a deeper sign of trouble for both the company and society? Zach McCrary with the story. On Monday this week, the world as we know it was business as usual. But then, the absolutely unimaginable happened. Facebook went dark. The social media site, as well as its other properties, were completely inaccessible for about six hours. For those unaware, this also includes not just Facebook Messenger, but also Instagram, WhatsApp, and even Oculus. Imagine playing some VR game and it just kicks you out because you have to be constantly connected to your Facebook account in order to even play anything. Herein lies the problem with Facebook, a problem that many people have been complaining about for years at this point. It's constant want to know what you're doing, what you're watching, what you're looking to buy, what you're interested in, who your friends and family are. It's probably data mining at its most efficient and most opaque. But we'll get back to that in a bit. What even caused the blackout in the first place? 
According to multiple Facebook internal memos, the outage was caused by configuration changes on the backbone routers that coordinate network traffic between data centers, which ended up causing a massive ripple throughout all of Facebook's products. Inside Facebook, even employees were impeded in communicating with each other during the site's outage. According to Alex Heath of The Verge, employees, quote, resorted to talking through their work-provided Outlook email accounts rather than their internal Facebook-dependent messaging system and, quote, couldn't send or receive emails from external addresses. Beyond internal breakdown, many people rely on Facebook both as a means of selling goods and services and as a way of communication. WhatsApp alone has over 2 billion users, many of whom use it as their primary messaging app. In countries where SMS messaging is very costly, using cellular data to send messages is likely much cheaper. That phenomenon allows apps like WhatsApp to become a viable alternative. It's free and it's reliable, right? Apparently not. If in October of last year, 100 billion messages were sent every day, that would mean an outage of six hours would prevent about 25 billion messages from being sent. It's a massive clot in the international information superhighway. So many people depend on Facebook to constantly be available to keep up with their social life and day-to-day business. With that much daily attention, Facebook has the potential to influence and directly control what information we see daily, what products and brands we see, and who has more visibility on the internet. But Facebook could never abuse that power. Right? Amid claims by whistleblower and former Facebook employee Francis Haugen, the social media site is facing backlash over profiting off of children and teenagers despite studies showing that the use of its products exacerbates rates of suicidal thoughts and eating disorders in teenage girls specifically. Congressmen across the aisle are now agreeing on one thing. Facebook's market share and sheer power should be reined in. But for now, we live in this world that depends on the internet for the constant exchange of information. And Facebook just so happens to be the one company that is likely the number one facilitator of that exchange. What would life be like without it now? For a brief moment on Monday, we found out. For WNUR News, I'm Zach McCrary. After the break, a quick weather and news update. Keeping your kids safe on the way to school is a bus driver's responsibility. When that driver is behind the wheel, they should be focused. And when you're driving, you should be focused too. Texting while driving on Illinois roads is illegal and deadly. Drive now, text later. You can't do both. This message brought to you by the Illinois Tollway State Police, Department of Transportation, Secretary of State, and AAA. Do you need to travel for medical reasons but don't have the money? Are you an abused mother who needs to escape to the protection of family? Angel Flight believes nobody should be denied medical care or other help because they can't afford to travel. Angel Flight has volunteer pilots standing by to help those in need. Contact Angel Flight to see if they can help you. Call toll-free 1-877-621-7177 or go to angelflight.org. This message brought to you by Angel Flight and Welcome back to WNUR News. It's 6.26 p.m. Central Time. Now, a look at the weather for tonight.
Expect a low of 63 degrees here in Evanston. Tomorrow will be a little bit nicer with temperatures reaching 75 degrees, partly cloudy skies. Sunday might just feel a little bit like summer with 80 degrees and cloudy skies. And look out for storms on Monday. Now for a news update, on Friday, journalist Maria Reza of the Philippines and Dmitry Muratov of Russia won the 2021 Nobel Peace Prize for their fight for freedom of expression. President Joe Biden issued the first ever presidential proclamation of Indigenous Peoples Day to be recognized on October 11th next week. And tomorrow, October 9th, A&O Productions will host artists Willow and Ravina at the Welsh Shrine Arena for their annual blowout. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other stories of the day on our Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And you can also find us on our brand new website, WNUR.News. Our, our producer today is Sarah Cadora. Our reporters are Ali Bianco, Ella Gatlin, and Zach McCrary. From all of us here at WNUR News, I'm Maria Jimena Aragon. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here Monday, same time, same place. Now, back to scheduled programming.